Blog Talk Radio. Patrick Toppin coming to you on this, the uh, 16th day of October, leading up to one of the biggest games of the year, the game against the North Carolina State Wolfpack. Riveting. I'll see a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, the game coming up this Saturday, uh, Anthony Brown being done for the season, um, a whole bunch of controversy going on um, in Kelly Rink um, off the ice. Um, meanwhile, the product on the ice has been pretty good. Uh, so, again, lots to talk about. So, coming to you live from the classic city, Athens, Georgia, this is Arthur Balin. I'm coming to you from an undisclosed location somewhere in Sacramento, California, the immortal Patrick Toppin. How are we doing, folks? Fine, I presume. I'm great. So yeah, we like I'm, to hear good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, do you want to talk about some BC football? Let's get into some BC football. Obviously, BC is coming off a of bye week this week, um, in which the it was announced that Anthony Brown was done for the season, which is a pretty huge loss for Boston College. When you look at their offense, um, I think that I think regardless of what your opinion of Anthony Brown was. I don't think there's a question that there's a huge drop-off when you go from quarterback to quarterback. Um, down in Dennis Grossel, um, he's got the best arm. He's got the most experience in the system. There's all sorts of things that you can really take um, that he does a lot, uh, sort of that are hard to replace. He's got the experience. He's got everything you need. So, I think this is going to be a really tough game going against a NC State defense that is just phenomenal. Um, the strength of this NC State team this year is definitely in its defense. Its offense is pretty dysfunctional. Um, so we're going – we would have been going strength against strength here um, and weakness against weakness had Anthony Brown not been hurt. But, yeah, I, I'm I'm very intrigued in how this game goes because it's going to – there's so many – there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I, I think you have definitely a step up um, from last, or I guess two weeks ago when uh, Grossel was going against Louisville. And I, again, like, I, I think this kind of got lost in the translation. Um, Grossel was fine. Like, he wasn't great. He was fine. Um, his stat line was not great. Um, but again, as we talked about last week, you know, his stat line was kind of a little bit deceptive. But, like, I still wouldn't say he had a great game. Um, but, you know, NC State's definitely a step up in terms of competition. He has had uh, a couple of weeks now to sort of get adjusted um, to, to the system now that I, I'm 
I mean, they, they just announced Anthony Brown's after the season, but I would imagine they probably knew that he would be counted on at least for one week. So um, he at least had, I mean, like to back up a second, this bye week cannot have come at a better time for BC because it gives Grosso a little time to, to get acclimated. But now he's going up against a legitimate defense. Um, and it's, it's not going to be against sort of a, a very, very shaky Louisville defense. So, you know, it, it's, it's really going to be put up or shut up time um, for BC's offense. Um, it, it, the defense has shown time and time again uh, that they can't be relied upon. So it, it's up to Des Cross on the offense to get it done. Yeah, so let's get into a preview a little bit because let's go into NC State's season so far because um, I think there's a lot to uh, talk about um, because they have had what I think can only be described as a pretty up and down season so far. Obviously, they're four and two, um, so they're you'd think they'd be happy with their record, but a lot of fans are obviously not happy. Um, sorry, forgive me about that. I'm a little distracted here for a sec. And sorry, so going to it basically going to so far in the season, um, they've nuked Eastern Carolina. Uh, 34 to is a mediocre American Conference team. They nuked uh, Western Carolina 41 to zero, uh, and then they lost to a West Virginia team that a lot of people could have pegged as a bottom two team in the Big 12. And while a lot of I think fans, a lot of analysts have I think turned around a little bit on West Virginia, I think they're still at best an average FBS team. Um, and still in the bottom half of the Power Five. So, pretty bad loss there. Um, NC State then went on to beat Ball State in a game in which they had completed only two passes and had 102 total yards of offense at the half. That is atrocious. I don't think there's anything you need to say about that. Um, but all that is also kind of irrelevant now because they made a switch of quarterback going to Florida State. Um they basically went from their running uh, quarterback in the to um, Brian Hoffman, who's a passing quarterback. They had talked a lot about how um, Doran had talked a lot about how he thought that Hoffman gave him a lot more in the past game. Um, and yeah, so when you look at those two games, I think they tell a very different story than what we've seen so far. Um, in the loss against Florida State, uh, Alex Cornerbrook just tore them up. Um, three touchdowns, 75% completions. Um, he also took eight sacks. So, and they also, so it's sort of a tale of two stories. They gave up a lot of yards to the air. They held Cam Akers to 83 yards on the ground, and half of that came on one rush. So, their front seven is pretty much insane, and their secondary needs a lot of work. I don't know if you've heard that story before. Um <laughs> How do you lose holding the presumed first team all ACC running back of the year to 81 yards? Yeah, was I uh, question. Oh, give yeah, me, give I, me, I, I don't really know. your opinion in order to lose it. Wait, can you repeat the question? How do you lose when you hold the presuming – when you get eight sacks in a game – and you hold the ACC first team running back, probably an All-American, at least talent-wise, to 81 yards. 
and 3.7 yards to carry. Uh, that's a... I, I, I don't have an answer to that, honestly. Uh, my point is that, like, you win most of those games, right? Eight, like, eight sacks? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah you absolutely do. Right? They had two fumbles in plus territory. They went four of 16 on third down, one of thir- three on fourth. And I don't think – I think the play calling that I saw in the Florida State game from NC State made Steve Adagio look adventurous. Like, Florida State just – it was a – it was run, run, pass, punt over and over and over again. That's why they went three and out so many times. They found themselves in third and long. Um, and then when they did, Florida State held them to a field goal when they – were in plus territory, and in the end, it was just sort of a. I probably like a very a loss. Going to be really upset, like thirty-one to thirteen. Like if you get eight sacks, yeah, like it's just terrible. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the answer to your question is you you, you let a quarterback throw for three hundred sixteen yards and three touchdowns. Um, yep, that's exactly how you do it. You always will always give that up. Um. So yeah. So anyways, basically, the moral of the story is that. The NC State Wolfpack's front seven plays out of its goddamn mind over and over and over again. So they did the same thing against Syracuse. They dominated the entire game. Um, but inability to convert in the red zone and convert on third down um, cost them. They had field goals of 23, 32, and 45 yards, which are pretty much – the 45 yards is like a real field goal, but the rest of those are inside the red zone. Um, and it was after – yeah. It was it was the last two weeks they've officially benched Matthew McKay for Bailey Hoffman. Um and yeah, that's pretty much it. It's their a new look team sort of going forward, a lot more pass heavy. I think they really expect to find themselves in third and long a lot. And I'm really curious to see how BC matches up with them. Um on Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was going to say, um, I, I think the switch is going to benefit NC State in particular because they'll be able to take advantage of um, the BC secondary and, and the struggles that they, they've been having. Um, but the one thing I would say, too, is, like, uh, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I really can't get a read on NC State right now. I, I, I think I, I think the fact that the spread's only three and a half in favor of NC State and that BC is actually giving, being given an advantage in the – ECN football power index, although I think that's, I would imagine that's probably not factoring Anthony Brown being out. Um, I, I think that's, that's all very telling. Um, like, number one, I, I don't think statistically there really is like a clear favorite in this game. Um, I, I, Gun today, I think NC State has the edge, but there, there, there really is, it's really kind of up in the air. Um, and, and I think part of it is you can't really get a read on NC State right now. But what I will say is, um, you know, they 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 have played some decent games. I mean, like you mentioned before, Florida State, despite the loss, um, they, there were some really good things that sort of came about that. Uh, but at the end of the day, like the age-old question is, who have you played? And the answer is not a whole lot. Um, you know, and ECU and WCU aren't really huge uh, um, names. West Virginia is at best an average Big 12 team. Ball State, Ball State, Florida State's decent. But and Syracuse is not the win that I think people would have expected um, earlier in, in the year. So um, I just really can't get a read on NC State right now. I, I think for sure um, it's 
I, I, I think the matchup to watch is really going to be the NC State offense against the BC secondary. Pass, pass offense in particular. Yeah, so I was just rolling over the stats, and I almost thought I had made a mistake here when I talked about um, NC State stacking Florida State eight times. Because they followed up that performance with eight sacks against Syracuse as well. Like they have sixteen sacks in the last few weeks. Yeah. Like this front seven. And so I am I honestly it is a coin flip to me. To me it comes down to two things and and the reason I think ultimately I'm not confident in BC winning this game is that to me it comes down to how well Dennis Russell can manage the offense because they are going to quite frankly shut down AJ Dillon. Um, whether we like it or not. And they have a pretty mediocre passing game going against a pretty mediocre pass defense. So it's basically two coin flips on both sides of the ball. And um, he has to come, hope it comes up heads for both of them. Um, it is a, I do think it's, it's going to be a coin flip game. I don't think there's much more to say than that. I would be shocked if it was more than one score. Yeah, and, and not for nothing, too, I, I think um, the bye week also helps out the uh, the defense because I, I think there's a, there's certainly an element, like, after, you know, getting demolished by Louisville and basically losing the game for, for the, like, the team, I, I think they need that – they're going to need that week to – or they needed that week to kind of reset um, because you really don't – like, that, that's the type of game where you, you kind of need to take a little bit of breath and you kind of step back and kind of – Regain your confidence a little bit. Um, excuse me, because that was that was not. It was a very poor performance, um, and I, I think the more the more distance that there could be, the better. And I think there's just kind of an opportunity to sort of get back to the grind and, and get back at it. Um, and I, I think, um, you know, I, I I I still think that defense is going to struggle, but I, I do think that having that time was, was definitely helpful. Yeah, because I think when you have one, two, as I'm looking at like four weeks of just abysmal, atrocious defense or whatever, um, like four straight weeks, it sort of it does sort of compound itself where you sort of feel like you're on the back foot over and over and over again. And I think the bye week really does offer a chance to sort of sit down and reset. Ultimately, what I think is going to tip this game in NC State's favor um, is two things. They have the ACC's best run defense by significant margin. They give up two and a half yards per rush, um, which means that I think they're going to key in on A.J. Dillon and make Dennis Grossel beat them. And then what I think what really jumped off the stat line to me is they have a nine and a half percent sack rate, which means that almost like one in 10 dropbacks ends in a sack uh, for their defense, which, you know, if Russell had all day to sort of sit back there and, you know, maybe make his region get comfortable, I don't think I rather I think that BC would have a chance, but I don't think he's going to have the time to do that. Um, and I don't trust the BC offense to sort of get the ball out fast enough. Which brings me to the other point: is like if you look at the way that Florida State lost, I'm sorry, the Florida State beat them. 
the reason they beat them was that Florida State hit quick passes and just racked up yards after the catch against the secondary that was pretty much just out raced the entire day. Um, and to me, the way that you, the only way that BC wins this game, in part because you neutralize the opposing uh, pass rush and also sort of exploit that sort of weak and almost slow secondary, is that you get the ball to Kobe White or Trey Flowers. I'm sorry, Zay Flowers, like in a two-step or one-step drop. Um, like you don't, you just, it's not a, not even like a three-step drop. Like you have to get it out and hit them on the slants and be accurate. Maybe even some AJ Dillon in the past game, let him get to the second level and sort of pull those guys over. But they're not going to win this game on the ground, and that has unfortunately been the way that BC's won most of its games in the past three or four years. So, um, yeah. I have low expectations for this game. I think it'll be a close loss, and I think we'll, it will also sort of – and there's another thing is I think it will seal the deal on Adazio when we look back in the season. I think this will be the game where if he loses it, it's, it's no longer sort of a question if he gets fired. It's sort of like you started losing your toss-up games, and we can't justify keeping you around anymore. It would be this it's game or – I was just going to say, if, um, if you want to come on uh, BCI Radio and talk to us, our phone number is 646-200-0446. We have a caller on the line that's been waiting patiently for a little bit, so we'll put him on. Caller, you're on BCI Radio. How are you doing tonight? Hey, guys. You're doing well. This is Jordan down here in Athens, Georgia. Um, first, first of all, I just want to say that uh, whatever happens with BC and NC State on, on this coming week, it cannot be as bad as losing at home to Will Muschamp in South Carolina and their third-string quarterback. So, yeah, you know, y'all got right. that going. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on this. It's not BC-specific, but it's kind of a, a, a college football, I guess, philosophy question that I was interested in y'all's thoughts on. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer every, in, uh, nihilist, uh, in college football. Collegiate football nihilism, um, for the record. <laughs> We're talking about so, collegiate so football uh, philosophy. So, so here's the question. So every year, whenever there are the top few contenders, there's always the crowd that says, so-and-so hasn't played anybody. Uh, and it's like this team will be 7-0, and it'll be, okay, well, how many ranked teams have they beaten? How, who have they played? What does their resume look like? And I've always kind of been of the philosophy that, yeah, it's important to beat good teams, but how you play is at least as important as who you play. And if you take, say, Clemson, for example, going out and beating Florida State, like what was it, 42 to 45 to 14 or something like that, or, or Ohio State beating uh, Nebraska like 45 to 7, I'd argue that something like that is, tells you just about as much about a team as when it beating, say, a number – 15 ranked team by three points. But basically, tr- treating bad teams like bad teams is a sign that you're a good team. I was wondering what y'all thought about that is in the, in the kind of how you play versus who you played debate. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that all like bad teams aren't created equal. So we'll, we're bringing the conversation back to DC for a second. Um, you know, this is like obviously an FCS comparison, but um, when BC played Howard back in 2015 and they, 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 blew Howard out of the building. I don't think that says, said anything about BC necessarily because Howard was just was not a good team. Um, and, like, uh, the, the issue with the bye game, I think, 
is like I, I think you have to kind of, it's very hard to get a read on teams because like I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you know teams like um, you know George the Georgias the like the Clemsons of the world need to blow the the the, the bad teams out of the water. But like, at what point is that enough? Like, I, I think I think any any like legitimate Power Five team, BC included, if if they play sort of a bye game um, and they blow out a team out of the water, that I mean that was that's the expected result, and I don't know exactly when at that point like you, you begin to impress. Um, so like, and, and I, I think that's kind of by design. Uh, I mean, obviously we we know the benefits of the bye game. Um, it's, it's it's a game you play on your schedule. It's an easy win, and it doesn't necessarily count against you um, in um, the uh, CFP picture. Um, but it's definitely, um, like, in terms of, like, evaluating teams, I think it's, 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 a, it's not easy. It's, it's um, like, I, I understand your point, but I, I think, number one, I think you have to kind of temper your expectations with five games because I don't think you can necessarily get as much as, as I think people want to get out of it. Um, because, like, you know, I, but Georgia Peak, like, um, uh, or whatever, whatever, whatever team they play, like, what, 49-7? Like, you know, at, at what point, like, is their commission going to turn on that? Um, so, I, 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 my, 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 my thing is, is that, like, with five games, you just can't, like, get in, like, a best deal. I don't, Patrick, I don't know what, you, what, what you're feeling on that. I think he's not referring to that. I think he's referring less to five games and more to games. Like, on one hand, you're right. Like, Clemson manhandles uh, probably a decent Florida State team, like 45 to 14. They also squeaked by a one, like squeaked by an incredibly mediocre North Carolina team that basically only lost because they went for two and called the worst possible play. Um, Ultimately, I guess I sort of view it a few ways. One, if you're one of those elite sort of top tier teams that you aspire to be, um, most of them have a down game and the best teams edge those sort of like eat those out sort of like Clemson did against uh, North Carolina. And sometimes it, it, sometimes when I think you're sort of almost in that second tier of team, um, which I don't know if Georgia is, but I guess they are now. It's like you lose that game. Um, and part of that is just like, how do you deal with adversity and how do you deal with like, you know, when a team comes out and really just sort of comes at you for four quarters and you weren't really expecting it because you expect them to roll over because you're all five stars and they're a bunch of three stars led by a four star. Um, you know, how do you, how do you make deal of that? I think at the end of the season, you sort of look at it and you take all the undefeated teams, all the undefeated power five teams, and you throw them in the playoff, and then you, I think when you look at teams with one loss, I would take a team with um, a better strength of schedule and, like, more impressive wins that show that they can compete. Because, like, I think you sort of see the same thing with Notre Dame, was it 7, 2012 title game, where they didn't really play anyone all year, but they ran the table, and they got blown out by Alabama in the championship game. Um, I think on one hand, like, yeah. Or the 2018 uh, PFP, too, when they didn't really play anybody, and they went undefeated, and they got blown up by Clemson. Yeah, like, it's sort of, it's hard, and I think it's really hard to predict, um, of how those games go, but I think if you have a proven track record, if I'm the if I'm the committee, 
and you have a proven track record of keeping it close against the elite teams and making good games out of that, I sort of see some value in that. That might not be fair, but I also, at the same time, I'm very much a proponent of if they're undefeated, they should get a chance to play for a national championship. I'm absolutely all in on the G5 making the CFP if it runs the table, because running the table is impossible to do. Um, in the day, I think we get sorted out very well. Um, it's really hard to go undefeated for 13 weeks in a row. So, yeah, because I think I think the team that kind of that for a lot of people sparked that was you look at um, Florida State back in 2014. You know, they they were coming off that dominant season where they just blew out everybody and then beat Auburn, and they brought brought a lot of the same team back, but they were just in a lot of close games that came down to the wire. They just kept getting lucky, kept getting lucky, got in the playoffs, and got the doors blown off by Oregon. So I, and I think that's another example, kind of like Arthur pointed out, too, with Notre Dame in 2012. It's just a lot of the times you don't really know what kind of quality you've got until you get them on that stage against a really good opponent. Well, like, I, and I, I think, like, I think like the down games are, are all not all down games are are created equal. So like let's let's take the 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 BCUC upset like that's that'll be something our listeners can certainly relate to. Um, I, I think USC was obviously not as good as the ranking uh, sort of showed, but that was not necessarily a game where either team performed poorly. BC was just kind of the better team that night. Um, so like like let, let's take let's take that game in a vacuum and like and USC doesn't like fall off face of the earth that season. Um, BC uh, basically outplayed USC without either team playing poorly. If USC kind of went from that game and, you know, ran the table from there, I I think that kind of reflects in a different way. And we'll we'll compare it to uh, the Georgia-South Carolina game last weekend uh, where both teams were just giving each other, like, the chance to win and nobody really wants, like, really take control and win that game, I, that loss, like, in comparison, looks different, I think. Right. Yeah, interesting subject. Y'all agree, uh, always enjoy the show. Y'all, uh, I'll keep listening. Y'all have a good night. All right, you too, man. Thank you. All right, bye. Yeah, uh, so, like, I, 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 I mean, you know, but like just for the record, and like I, I, I think I've been like very clear on this fact. Um, buy games are bad, and they should not. Like they are bad. They should get rid of them, and they should figure out a way for it not to be a thing anymore. And I, you can tell me all you can tell me all you want about the economics of college football and how buy games can do this and or do that. Get rid of them. They're not good for anything. He doesn't want them to Sorry. have problems. He doesn't like funding them. No, I, I mean, fund them in a different way that, that doesn't embarrass the game and embarrass the athletes. So I have a really good idea. I've been thinking about it. It was partially inspired by an SB Nation thing or whatever, but um, I think that college football should do something similar to like an ACC Big Ten challenge where you pit, like, the conference winner versus another conference winner, like, based on, like, the previous year's record, and you do out-of-state matchups or whatever, and you, like, sort of organize the conferences, and you say, like, the third week of the season will be, like, ACC Big Ten weekend. 
And I think there is so much money to be made and so much good football to be had and so much, like, actual, like, oh, which conference is the center? Um, because it would actually make a difference. Um, and I think it would actually be better than watching BC, Kansas, um, or something like that. How about how about SEC ACC challenge and Big Twelve Big Ten challenge? How great would that be? I also fully endorse that. Like something like that would be so much fun. Like you can do. I mean, I, it would be really hard to do. Um, like ACC Pac-12 or something like that. I would love an SEC Pac-12 one because I think the conferences never play each other. Um, but yeah, I think like I am. I. My favorite games are out of con- I think, and I think most of my favorite games are competitive out of conference matchups. Um, because they. But I mean, provide- I, I, I think I think I think part of the issue too, though, is it's kind of the ecosystem of, of of college football versus college basketball, um, where like where like there is such thing as as a good loss in in college basketball, whereas like if you lose in, in college football, that's 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 almost a death knell. Um, so I, I think people will, or teams will be very low to do that. So like, yeah, I, but I, I think you can, I, I think you can do that, but you have to like do something with the college football playoff first. But I think you've seen that there's like a lot of teams and a lot of like the sort of super high end teams. Um, it's, and it's all made it more forgivable when they lose a game. Like Auburn and Oregon are both still in the con or sort of in the CFP conversation because they played that opening weekend of uh, twenty seven twenty one barn burner or whatever. Like it was a great game and Auburn walked away with it with a fantastic win and Oregon walked away with it with like we all sort of in college football, we all joke about the quality loss. Um, but Oregon sort of can point to the fact that the only team they lost to was a extremely talented and probably the best defensive line in the country. The team, sorry, it's very talented team with actually, I think almost undisputedly the best defensive line in the country. Perhaps it'll and they can say we lost the team in week one. I think especially during the season, it's almost it's it's a lot more to deal with the bull because you can point to the beginning of the season and say, yeah, well, of course it's not that. It was our it was week one, and we were working in the playbook, and we had a new starter, and we had to figure it all out. And then when the conference play really rolled around, it like went all out. And I think another way to really make that work, um, and now we're just rambling about non vc related things, but this is what you get when you join this show um, and you listen. Uh, would be to just do an eight-team playoff where the conference champion automatically gets the bid. So that way you could actually schedule those games. And, yeah, and honestly, that's the most equitable way to do it. And, like, the, the way you would handle, like, the non-conference games is, you know, like the, the conference, like, you have eight teams, I guess, in the Power Five get the autos, and maybe the top group five team um, gets, gets, gets an auto. Um, but you, you're still incentivized to play solid non-conference opponents um, because, like, there's going to be seeding involved. And, like, like losing – like, like, like if Clemson were to play Alabama in, in, the, in the regular season, 
if Alabama were to lose to Clemson, it doesn't hurt them to do that because they can still come back and win the SEC championship and not have an issue. But they, if they were to beat Clemson, like that definitely helps the ranking. So um, I don't know. Like I mean, I I, I think we're, we're we're getting to the old question about like what we should, what should we do with the college football playoff? But um, right now, it's not probably not going anywhere. Uh, the There's a lot of things we should do about the college football playoff, and they're currently not being done. So, there. Arthur, yeah. what's your score on for this week's game? I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Give me 20-17, NC State. So, the over-under is 52.5. I will go... NC State. I would say 27-24, but that would assume that D.C. made a field goal, and I don't believe in their ability to do that. So, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you want to move on to hockey? Uh, Well, you can, because I don't know enough about hockey except to know that uh, we won two conference games, so two out-of-conference games for the first time in a lot longer than you would think for a team of D.C.'s caliber. Yeah, yeah, but I will say they looked very solid in in those two games, um, and they they definitely look a lot more cohesive. The freshmen are looking very very solid. Um, but in the minutes that yeah. I watched, the thing that stuck out to me the most was that, or rather, so the difference between last year and this year, at least in my like uneducated layman i go to hockey games because i need a break from studying at school or now because i come home from my job and i just want to watch a white background with not moving across it they like pass the ball and then sorry, they pass the puck and then they receive the puck and they don't like fumble the reception and then they can pass it again instead of it like bouncing past the blue line they have to reset their offense Riveting hockey analysis from Patrick Topham. Basically, their stick skills are much, or their passing skills are much improved. <laughs> so, yeah, there you yeah, go. No, like, I, yeah. Like, and, 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 I, I, like, as much as I'm making fun of you, and I, I, I think you're absolutely right about something in, in that, like, I think they're definitely functioning better as a team. Like, last year, they, they were very disjointed. Uh, and, like, this year, they don't look like that. So, de- definitely, definitely good signs in, in that regard. Um, well, how they look? They look good. They look. They look very good. They look very, very good. Um, is Spencer Knight everything yeah. we dream? Oh yeah, Spencer Knight's been solid. Like he's like he, he, I don't know how long he's gonna stay here at BC, but as as long as BC has him, they're they're gonna be set in goal. Let me tell you. Um, but. Uh, he like yeah he's 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 gonna be he's gonna be one of the better goalies in the, in the country I, I I feel it right now, um, so, um, yeah BC BC's in good shape. Um, one thing I did notice too um, was last night like this is kind of on beast related but hockey east related, um, uh, hockey east found another way uh, to screw up um uh, a. Uh, video reviews, um, they actually had to release a statement, I believe, 
that basically like there's 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 an issue in the northeastern UMass game. I I don't know exactly what happened with it, um, but there was a miscommunication um, between like people watching like on Nesson uh, and people watching at Matthews Arena. Like basically like and this is what Joe Bertania sent out. Um, Quote, the conference has a written protocol that outlines in some detail what is expected of the on-ice officials and the PA announcer when plays are being reviewed, as is regularly the case in the first month of play. The conference is obviously to send reminders to all schools, many of whom are applying new staff um, in new roles. We expect these issues to be remedied in short order. Uh, so basically what happened was there were three reviews in the Northeastern UMass game, and nobody told anybody what was going on what was being reviewed or, or anything. Um, the public address announcer didn't say anything. The TV audience, like the, the crew on Nesson didn't say anything. Um, so, uh, shockingly, there were some issues. So, lately, leave it to Hockey East to, to, to mess that up. But, um, Patrick, what do you think about fight song at, at hockey games? Um, if we're going to talk about the fact that, and I love, her, I love him. I love what Martin Jarman has done with the program and all that. But the fact that we did not hear the fight song or the Civ chant after goals is an affront to everything that made hockey fun while I was at Boston College. Yeah. Right. And, and to be clear, to be clear, as of right now, like um, uh, for a little context, Grant Salzano published an article earlier today. Um, BCFLA confirmed to BCI. Um, that the pep band will be playing the fight song after goals going forward. Um, but um, the fact that, like, that, like, that's concerning. Like, that's concerning to me. Like, and uh, I, I, I give Martin uh, credit to be sure um, that he's definitely trying some new things. Uh, and it, to, to be frank, the, the atmosphere at Conti Forum has been pretty abysmal. Uh, but I, I, it just kind of mystifies me why they thought that the PC, the BC pep band uh, not playing the goal song or the alma mater or really anything of substance would, was the way to go. Um, but it's been fixed, but it, it just, it, like, what, what concerns me is, like, it, it's a small thing, but it, it concerns me that this was something that Martin thought of without really any hesitation and implemented. Um, and you can't convince me that any BC fan was consulted because any BC fan would probably tell Martin Jarman, this is a bad idea and you should not do it. Um, so it's, it's just kind of concerning all around. Uh, you know, like I, I, you have to wonder where he got the idea from or what, where, he, where the athletic department got the idea from um, because I, 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 can't, I can't imagine it came from the fan council. Um, and I can't imagine it came from a BC fan. So uh, hopefully it's a learning experience for the department. Yeah, I sort of – yeah, it's, it's, it's an affront to everything that I enjoy as a BC fan and sort of like the atmosphere that makes college selling. And I think that's what's the tragedy about it is that what sets college apart are these sort of fun things that the fans and the students all do as opposed to sort of the super ultra corporate world that now exists 
in professional sports, right? Like the sanitized, boring, right? It's like, it's like, I, I love school taunts. I love, like, I love the Civ chant. I love horns down. I love disrespecting the opponent's field and then the opponent kicking the shit out of you because you disrespected their field at Baker Mayfield. Um, I love all that. That's all the stuff that makes college sports fun. And when you take that away, it's sort of like, why did we do that? And that's remember that like ultimately college sports is where all these sports started. It's like, you know, it used to be like the much bigger, it was used to be bigger than the NFL and bigger than MLB and all that. And so to me, yeah, like it, it is, it is a travesty. I hope Martin John reverses course on this. I, can respect the effort and the desire to change things to try to ramp up the atmosphere, but this was the wrong move, and I hope he recognizes that. Yeah, and, and not for nothing too. Like I, I, I think the fact that you know college sports are so endearing to so many people is, is kind of indicative of, of 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 what you just said. Because like, if people are looking for the top quality, you know, level of play. Uh, in a sport, uh, they're not going to watch college. They're going to watch the professionals because that's 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 where the top quality is going to be. You know, they 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 they, they watch college sports, you know, for like that stupid nonsense. But but they also watch it because it's it's not sterilized. It's there's there's something special about college sports. Like it's it's this college students coming out and supporting their school, um, and, and playing for their school. It's 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 the the tradition. Um, you know, like at BC, like the, the fight song in particular is something that's been passed down from generation to generation at BC since 1897. Um, that's a long time. Uh, and um, and that's what makes BC, that were, that's what makes sports, college sports special. You know, it's, um, it, it, it adds to the lore, it adds to the, like, like sort of the greatness of it. Like when you know when, when South Carolina beat uh, Georgia this past week, they they took they took uh, portions of the hedges um, because they won, um, and it made people down in Athens, here in Athens so upset. But that just kind of adds flavor to everything. Like and it, it and it's just kind of it's not it's not sterile. Like it's 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 real people like doing like these 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 crazy dumb things, and it just kind of makes everything so much more fun. And, but when you try to emulate the professional, um, you know, it's the, the, the problem with professional is that it, it's just kind of, it, it's very, it's like you said, it's very sterile. Um, you know, it, it, a, a game, a Bruins game, or let, let, let's, let's take another comparison. Like, I think the Bruins are apt. Let's take the Providence Bruins, the P Bruins. Um, the difference, like, the, there's got to be a difference between P, the P Bruins and, and BC um, because, you know, the people ones like by design really are kind of the sterilized minor league hockey team that that's that's supposed to be appealing to everybody. And and but college sports and college hockey in particular has to be is appealing to a certain subset of people. And like it's um you know, it's 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 definitely problematic. And and like it, one thing I would caution too is like don't change everything um around. Like what I think you know, there's there, there's when we look at NASCAR, um, and there's, there's there's a lot of reasons why I think NASCAR is alienating its fans. Some of them are bad reasons, like reasons um, that that are are definitely not on the up and up. But 
you know, they, they keep messing with their play, like their playoff format and it's alienating fans when they do that. Um, so like when you, when you keep messing the things that like our tradition are passed down and kind of make what makes us work great, it alienates fans. And I would caution um, the BCF like the Falcons from doing the same. Yeah, ultimately, to be clear on the NASCAR comparison, there are there are a lot of reasons why NASCAR is 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 support is losing support. Um, not all of them are good reasons, but the reasons I just outlined, like those are reasons we got to be worried about. Yeah, at the end of the day, I'm always comparing to sort of like college football is college and college sports in general, almost like there's sort of like wacky flavor combinations of ice cream. There's a lot of things going in there and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And you find your favorite and you will die by it and other people may not like it, but that's when it gets to be yours. Whereas professional sports are just extremely high quality vanilla ice cream, right? They're built, purely to maximize profit. At the end of the day, college sports are about more than profit. They're about more than money-making. They're about the institutions that they're a part of. And I think to take that away would be a huge tragedy. And um, yeah, say BC Sports, hashtag. Yeah. So I think we covered all our topics. Patrick, do you have anything? Nope, we're still three weeks out from BC basketball. We're actually three weeks out from today for BC basketball's ACC opener at Wake Forest. Um, we'll probably be doing some roundtables on BCI in the next week or two, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, it could be a long season, so uh, smile, everyone. Grin and bear. Yeah. So, Grimberry, that's that's the motto, that's the official motto of uh, BC Sports, I guess. Yeah, I like actually though. So, yeah. Um, with that, uh, do we have a question this week or? No, I, I keep forgetting to ask Laura for it, but uh, we will we will do that again at some point. So, um, I think that's it for us. So, on behalf of Patrick Topkin, this is Arthur Balin. Enjoy the games this weekend. Um, enjoy tailgating. Enjoy everything that is associated with college sports because college sports are amazing. And we'll see you back here next week here on BCI Radio. Cheers.